Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Reconstructing, Building Our Faith on a Better Foundation. And uh, last week, we opened up with Reconstructing Easter. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, there's a term out there called deconstruction or deconstructing. And what it is, it's referring to people that grew up in church, uh, maybe like ours or different types of churches, and they come to age and they examine their faith and they begin to just look at every aspect of their faith, which actually is not a bad thing. But many people have deconstructed their faith to where they actually lost their faith. They just they just not even sure if they believe in Jesus anymore. They're, they don't have that zeal for Jesus. They're not following Jesus like they once, once did. And so we thought, man, what an opportunity to just do a series on reconstructing. And for those of us that haven't lost our faith, it's simply going to grow our faith. You know what else it's going to do? It's going to help us understand how to help people that are struggling with their faith. Maybe they deconstructed. They didn't have any mentors to help them put it back together. And I'm really excited about this weekend because I titled this weekend, Reconstructing Faith. And we're going to just talk about our faith in Christ and making sure we keep it strong and how to make sure if we have deconstructed it, we can put it back together. And I want to begin with my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this, guys. Our faith is fragile and must be protected. And so we're not talking about prayer faith when you pray in faith or pray for promises. Uh, We're talking about our faith in Christ, and it's very fragile. And I can tell you, pastoring the same church, this August will be 39 years that I've been amongst the same church, and I witness what happens, and I watch people fired up for Jesus, and then I see them deconstruct, they lose their faith, and I just think a series like this is so important. And I think it's important for us you know, we have, we have to protect our faith in Christ, our, our faith and belief in him. And there's a really cool scripture. It's uh, Jude chapter one, verse three. It reads like this. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, so we're talking about our belief in Christ, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for your faith. So he said, I was just gonna write about our faith, but then he said, I, I just, I feel an urgency that you and I must contend. That means to fight hard to keep our faith, for our faith. It's something we have to fight for, and it's something we can lose. He goes on to say that it was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. And so I want to just talk about this thing called faith. And if you've lost faith, or maybe it's not where it used to be, there's reasons why we do. So I came up with, with what I call Uh, the top three uh, deconstruction triggers that will make people lose their faith. And many of you, if you're like me, I've struggled with some of these over the years. And I just wanna talk about this. We'll see what can deconstruct faith, but then I wanna show you how to make sure you reconstruct your faith and what to do to stay strong in your faith. Because people will fail you, all kinds of things will come at you. And so I have these three triggers. Here's Here's my first trigger, you ready? I call it the deconstruction trigger of people and leadership failure. And I I wanna make you a promise. If you come to believers or go to any church anywhere in the world, it's not a question of whether or not you'll be offended. The question is when, because offense is coming, guys. 
It's coming. May not be me, it might be me. If you just think about a pastor, how many times I speak, I mean, I have to, I, sooner or later I'm gonna say something that offends somebody. I, I'm really careful and I really, really try. But this last election, sec, uh, when, when the last election came, presidential election, we had people lose our, leave our church. Uh, some people left our church because I didn't say enough. I didn't tell people who to vote for. And then other people left our church because they were on the opposite side and they felt like, I know what you really believe. I know who you're gonna, you don't say anything, but I know. So they were offended because they felt they know what it, knew what I was gonna do. And so it's impossible not to offend people, but I, I do try my best. But I can also promise you this, as you and I rub shoulders with people in the church, somebody's gonna do something that offends you. And sometimes it's no big deal, and sometimes you have to deal with it, right? Sometimes you can just look at it and say, well, that's who they are. That's, yeah, I don't think they meant it. It's not that big a deal. And you can forgive them and go on. And then sometimes uh, they're gonna do something that just throws you for a loop, and you really need to deal with it. That's why Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 15 said, if someone hurts you, offends you, go to them and deal with it. And then he gives us some instructions on what to do if that doesn't work. So sometimes you have to deal with it, sometimes you don't. But I do wanna make your promise, if you're in a church, somebody's gonna do something to offend you. And then I'm just thinking about what's happening now. And I've walked through this many times in 39 years, but it's been really crazy of late where you have a lot of pastors, a lot of high profile leaders that have had moral failures, and have had financial issues where they handled money the wrong way. And we're just watching some of them fall like flies. And every time that happens, there are people that just lose their faith. And I get it. I get losing your faith over something like that. Um, when I was in Bible school, I, there were three churches in the town I went to Bible school in, and they were all good. So I went to all three, and, and I I just, I could have went to any of them, but God kind of dealt with me to go to one specific church. And after going there, I know why. The pastor had a similar style to mine and, and I learned so much from him. But uh, there was another church I, I would have loved to go to. And that pastor was super dynamic, uh, just really gifted preacher. And he really flowed in the things of the spirit. And I really would have enjoyed being there, but I, I knew where God wanted me to be. And I'm just going on with life. I'm a Bible school student. And then I find out that that pastor had an affair. And I'm telling you, it threw me for a loop because I had him up way up here. And I found out that he had an affair. And I, li I literally began to deconstruct. I literally lost faith. And, and I, I just wanted to leave Bible school. I, I, didn't, I just didn't know what to do. I was blown away by what happened. And... I had a mentor that showed me how to handle it, and I'm gonna show you how to handle it, whether it's people in the church, whether it's a minister failing, and there's a lot going on out there. How do we handle it? What do we do with it? But here's something, uh, before I show you what my mentor showed me, and he, he got me back, and, and I didn't deconstruct. Obviously, I'm here. But um, I wanna show you something I read when I was a young Christian, when I wasn't Pastor Joe, but I was a leader. And uh, it's an interesting verse. It's kind of scary. Uh, it's Jesus, uh, and it's Mark 9, 42. And Jesus said this, 
But if someone causes one of these little ones, and he's not referring to kids, he's referring to young Christians. It could be a kid that's a young Christian, but it's, it's referring to young Christians. These little ones who believe in me to lose faith. So note, we're talking about deconstructing. So he says, if someone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to lose faith, it would be better for that man if a huge millstone were tied around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. How many of us can see Jesus wants us to try our best not to make people stumble and lose their faith? And this is really for, for, for top leaders here. And I remember reading that as, before I was Pastor Joe, and I just made a decision. I'm gonna do everything in my power not to make people stumble. And it changes the way you live. You kind of do what Paul taught. Uh, he taught us to live and be aware of other people's conscience. So I'm, I'm always trying to do my best. I realize I can't be perfect. But I remember when I became Pastor Joe in, in 1983, um, and I started Believers, I had made a decision to do something, and that was not to drink. And you know, the Bible says, don't be drunk. It's not a sin to drink. But I just decided... I'm not gonna drink at all because there's gonna be somebody that stumbles over me drinking. And it's just gonna happen. And I remember when we grew up Catholic, uh, one of our priests, we had like three priests in the parish when we grew up. And one of the priests, when they would come to communion parties or graduation parties, and I'm not getting down on priests or anybody, pastors do this too, but uh, he would just get drunk at our parties. And when he left, my mom and dad would just, it, would, it made them stumble. They just couldn't believe he got drunk. And so, uh, and then there were times when someone just drank a minister and it would make my mom and dad stumble. So I took the mentality, you know, if we have alcoholics in the church, I surely don't want to make them stumble. And most alcoholics, if, if they've been out of it for a while, they, they can be around liquor, it doesn't bother them. But I just decided I'm not going to do that. And then I don't want someone to see me in a restaurant doing that because I'm Pastor Joe and I don't know how they're going to take it. So I've just decided, you know what, I'm just... I'm just not gonna drink. Uh, not a big deal. I'm doing it so I don't make people stumble. So sometimes we do things, don't do things, not because they're a sin, but we just don't wanna make people stumble. And then I surely don't wanna make people stumble by being a jerk, right? So I try not to be a jerk and, and be, you know. But I, I, I can't promise you I won't walk by you in the lobby and not say hi, because sometimes I'm focused over here and I walk. So I, I can't do everything perfect, but I will try my best. But I guarantee you, if you're in a church, you will be offended. So here's what my mentor taught me. You guys ready? Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrew 11, all these great men and women of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So before we go to the next verse, guys, everybody that's a Christian, you have a race. There's a purpose for your life. Before you were born, God wrote it in the book. There's things he created you to do that only you can do. And it's, it just gives me purpose. I love to know I have purpose. But then notice what he said here, let us throw off everything that hinders. And so uh, the things that hinder could be an offense, right? Somebody offended you. And he's just saying, throw those things off that hinder you, that slow you down. It can be a lot of things. But this one's really interesting. And the sin that so easily entangles us. Can, can we all agree that we all have certain sins that we, we, certain things, you just have to stay away from them. You're just not strong enough to overcome them. So I'll give you an example. And I've given it over the years. But if you were to give me a sleeping bag and a pillow and lock me up, in the alcohol section of a grocery store and said, you're gonna sleep here tonight, I can guarantee you, 
I will go to sleep and never have a drink. I will never be tempted to have a drink. I don't care about alcohol, so it would never tempt me. But if you locked me up in the ice cream aisle and, and you gave me a sleeping bag and a pillow and said, you're sleeping here tonight, you can't leave this aisle, that ice cream would talk to me the, the minute I laid down and say, Joe, Joe, you know you want me, Joe. And then another ice cream product would say, Joe, I'm between these two amazing cookies. You got to taste me. I cannot, Gina and I don't have ice cream in our home for that very reason. So I know where I'm weak. I know I, I don't eat a pine. I eat many pints. And so I just know there's certain things I can't handle. And all of us have things we can't handle. That's the sin that easily entangles us. So sometimes we just had to say, I got to keep that particular thing out of my life. Somebody else can do it. It's not really a sin, but I, I can't be near it. I can't sleep in the ice cream aisle, right? But now, now here's what he said. Here's what he said, verse two. Here's what my mentor said. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, or one translation says, the author and finisher of our faith. You know how the Bible says, Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. And I, I think, and we're gonna talk about it here in the next segment, I think we all need to be hooked up in a good church and we need to have leaders who are examples of following Christ. But you know, when a leader fails or someone else fails, uh, we, we don't wanna be just focused on them. Notice what it says, we need to focus or fix our eyes on Jesus. And when my mentor sat me down, he said, you know what, that pastor that failed, he's a man. He shouldn't have done it, but he did it, but he's not Jesus. And Jesus never fails. And you can't follow that man, and you can't allow what he did to make you fall. You've got to put your eyes on Jesus and focus on him. Jesus has never had an affair. Jesus has never misappropriated funds. Jesus has never done anything and you and I, if we want to fight for our faith, because our faith is fragile and must be protected, we need to learn to focus on Jesus. And as all the craziness goes on all around us, we have to say, you know what? I can't go to this church anymore because the pastor did this or that. I get that. Yeah, trust is really important. I'm going to find myself another church, but I'm not going to stop following Jesus. The, the worst thing we can do is stop following Jesus, and we need to contend for our faith. So if, if you've deconstructed because of a leadership failure or a people failure, I just want to encourage you, lift your eyes, put them on Jesus. He's the one we're following. We are not following men. We're following Jesus. And you'll always keep your faith strong. Here's my second trigger. Uh, I call it the deconstruction trigger of bad doctrine. Uh, I promise you, somebody's going to teach something that messes you up. You're going to follow something, and eventually you're going to see, that wasn't right, and it's going to mess you up. And so I want to show you two things you can do to make sure bad doctrine never messes you up. Because when someone has a hold of bad doctrine, uh, someday they're going to see, oh, that wasn't right. And, and then people deconstruct their faith. They just, they just lose their faith because they made a mistake or they followed something that wasn't accurate. And, and here's two things you can do. The first one's really simple, guys, and it's really important. You know, the Apostle Paul started this church in Ephesus. He was there three years, and it grew to over a million people. And he had all these under pastors helping him pastor a million plus people. 
And uh, he knew he was going to Jerusalem. He knew he would be thrown in jail. He knew he would never come back. So he had the first ever pastor's conference. And it's really cool. He had a conference for pastors, first ever. I'm gonna just read a part of it. And I just want you to see how important it is for you to find a church. You can trust the pastor and hook up in it. Acts 20, verse 28. He says, so guard yourself, leaders, pastors, and God's people. So we're meant to guard and protect, right? And shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood. Now listen to this, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. And I read this verse just to say, to be protected, every Christian needs to hook up in a church because God has anointed leaders in churches. They're not perfect, and when they have a big failure, find another church, right? Uh, and, and, and hook up. You need to be hooked up in a church. And I like what he says next in verse 29. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. They're going to take advantage of you. Uh, even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. And so here's what I noticed about a good church. You find a church where the pastor teaches all, every part of the Bible, and then, you know, we live in a world, and I encourage people, listen to, listen to other ministers, uh, but there's some out there, you know, they teach things that aren't always 100% accurate. So if you're in a good church, you're going to always be protected and always be balanced because your pastor's going to get on these subjects and they're going to balance you. It's really, really important. And then I like how he ends this, verse 31. Watch out. So he's talking to us guys. He's saying, stay on your guard. Watch out. Remember that Three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. So pastors are going to be praying for you. They're going to watch for your safety. So every Christian, the first of two things, you want to hook up in a good church. You'll never go wrong doctrine right. The second thing will shock you. It's shocking. You're going to say, whoa, really? But it's in the Bible. And remember, Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we heard Thomas in his clip talk about it. Um, he closes the Sermon on the Mount with something that's so profound. And if you do this, it will always keep you uh, away from false doctrine. It's absolutely amazing. And listen to it, Matthew 7, verse 24, 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, so that would be uh, the Sermon on the Mount that he just shared. It would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It would be Romans through Revelation. That's also Jesus' words. He's talking about the simple principles he just taught them. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and notice this, puts them into practice or does them. It goes on to say, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. People were offended, leaders failed, life hit you, life beat you down, right? And, and it goes on and says, yet it did not fall because it, its foundation was on the rock. So how do you build your house on the rock? Look, look at it again. You take what Jesus taught, simple things, and you put them into practice. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He taught that right, right in this sermon. Uh, it, you know, he said, forgive. He said, turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. And here's what I notice: When we take the simple things that Jesus taught, and we don't just hear them and say, oh, that was a good message, Pastor, but we say, you know what? This week, I'm going to take this principle, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to put it into practice. Jesus says you're building your house on this incredible rock, and life, all the storms, all the offenses, false doctrine, none of it's going to get a hold of you. And just 
because we're here, let's read what he goes on to say, verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So notice, if you hear what Jesus said, if you hear a good message in church, and you don't take a principle or two and say, I'm gonna begin to do this in my life, here's what Jesus says. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. That means, you know, offense, everything else. Deconstruction happens at this point. And beat against the house. It could also be all the trials of life. And it fell with a great crash. That means they were deconstructed. They lost their faith. And I just think this is so powerful. Remember, our faith is fragile and must be protected. And I have noticed if I take what Jesus taught and I just put it into practice, how about forgiving people? That, that is tough, right? And I grew up Italian, so I don't know if you know this, but Italians have a hard time forgiving people, right? If they're not Christian, they hold a grudge their whole life. And uh, I have relatives that still have grudges 40 years later with relatives, other relatives. And so it's just part of the culture, and it may be part of other cultures too, but I can just speak for my culture. And I remember coming into Christianity and just making a decision, you know what? I'm gonna forgive people. I'm just gonna forgive them. And just practicing that, Jesus is saying, you're, dig you're digging deep and you're building your house on the rock and it keeps us from ever falling for any false doctrine. We're not always looking for some new revelation. We're just saying, hey, these, this is pretty simple stuff. I'm gonna just simply put these things into practice. So uh, offense is gonna come, people, leaders. It guarantees someone's gonna offend you. So what do we do? We focus on Jesus. He's the author and finish of our faith. He's who we're following. People will fail. And then we wanna make sure we avoid bad doctrine. So, you know, you're here, you're hooked up in a church. If you don't like believers, find a good church, hook up in it, and it will protect you. And then just begin to put principles into practice. This third trigger, guys, in my opinion, is the most common reason people lose their faith. So you ready for the most common reason people lose their faith? I call it the deconstruction trigger of personal failure. And more people lose their faith because they failed and they can't forgive themselves. And they walk around with shame. And I watch it all the time. And they're embarrassed. Well, I did this or I missed this or I thought the Holy Spirit was leading me to do this and then it didn't work. And people just can't forgive themselves. And I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you to learn to forgive yourself no matter what you did, no matter how you messed up. It's the most important thing you and I could ever do. And I wanna just read a scripture to you. It's one of my favorites. I call it my reboot scripture. I call it my 180 scripture. And it was written to the church. And listen to what it says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is so precious to me. Here's something I know, guys. When I accepted Jesus, he forgave me of my past, present, and future sins. But when I sin, when I miss it, when I do something I'm not supposed to do, I have to cleanse my mind. I have to do a 180 and start walking the other direction. So it's so healthy for me and all Christians to say, you know what, Father, what I just did, I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have thought what I thought. I ask your forgiveness, whatever it is. And, and no, the blood has washed you. But here's what's cool. When we take this step, he cleanses our conscience from guilt, from shame. But you and I have to understand, 
what happens when God forgives us. It's the most amazing thing. The word forgive literally means to let go. It means to forget. And when God forgives you, he forgets what you did. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. I used to think when I died and I went before Jesus, he would bring back everything I did and play it on a video screen so all of you could see it and everybody could see it. And it's like, I don't really wanna die and I don't wanna go to heaven. I'm not looking forward to judgment day. This is gonna be terrible. But no, the Bible says that when you ask God for forgiveness, he throws your, sea, your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. That means it's just so far from him. He literally forgets what you did and he lets it go. And so you and I, when we have personal failure, whatever it is, we need to understand we're forgiven. And we need to understand we don't have to carry any shame. I think 1 Corinthians is fascinating. There was a man in the church who was immoral with his stepmom, and he, would, he wouldn't stop. He said, it's, it's okay, it's not wrong for me to do. So Paul said, guys, you're gonna have to you know, break fellowship with this person. So they break fellowship with him. Uh, but what's really cool, in 2 Corinthians, this man had said, all right, that's sin, I shouldn't be doing it. And Paul writes to the church and he says, hey, church, listen, you need to open your arms wide and you need to forgive this guy and you need to bring him back into the family. And he went on to say, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. You know, one of the main devices of the devil is to cause people to feel shame and cause them to feel like I'm not forgiven. And Paul's saying to the church, you can't allow that to happen. You can't allow it to happen to yourself. And I wanna read one of my favorite verses to close this segment out. Um, I try to read it three or four times a year. That's how powerful it is. And it's Hebrews 4, it's, it's a section, not a, just a verse. Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to our confession. You know what that means? Don't lose your faith. Faith is fragile. You have to protect it. And losing your confession would mean, I'm not sure I believe Jesus is Lord anymore. I'm not sure I believe in Christ. I'm not gonna follow Christ anymore. But then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. And the main emphasis here is not, I have a financial problem because of a, you know, something that happened and I'm gonna ask God to help me financially or I, I'm dealing with a physical problem, I'm gonna ask God to help me physically. Those are things you should do and we should ask God. But this is talking about your flaws, your sin, the places where you miss it. That's our weaknesses. But listen to what he says. But one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. So the thing about Jesus is he never sinned, but he was tempted. Temptation is not a sin. So I got to thinking about this. You know, Jesus uh, helped his stepfather in the business. Uh, some people say carpentry. Others say it was a different mason kind of business. It doesn't matter. It was a business. And so uh, he's helping him, but then his stepfather died when he was in his teens, and Jesus took over the business. And I just think of that, that because 30 is when he went into ministry. So he had 15 plus years where he ran a business. Just think about that. And we just came through tax season, right? And there had to be times when Jesus was doing his taxes. What do I owe the Roman government, right? Uh, they're taking all my money, right? And he had to have a thought come to him. If I just fudge these numbers, I could save five grand right? Jesus was tempted in those ways. He was tempted in every way, but he never gave in. And so when we give in, he doesn't judge us. He says, yeah, yeah, I, I realize what's happening. I had same temptations, and I'd love to help you not fall the next time. But 
he goes on and he tells us what we can do. He says, I sympathize with you, so here's what you do. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. So we go to the throne of grace for any kind of prayer, but now we're talking about when we're struggling, when we can't forgive ourselves, when we're dealing with shame. He says, approach it with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. And I love this. The very fact he says, find mercy, the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. You know what the mercy of God is? He gives you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance, a seventh chance. You can go up to a million. He just keeps giving you chances, right? And so that's the mercy of God. And so after we fail, we go to the throne of grace and we say, hey, I need some mercy. But what else do we need? We need grace to help us. It's like, God, I'm so tired of falling in the same sin over and over. God, I'm so tired of struggling with this. Will you give me some grace to walk free from this? And he does it every, other, every single time, and he forgives us. So I want to encourage some that are listening right now, Boardman, TCI, online, here in Warren, guys, that are struggling with this thing called shame, personal failure. And I want to encourage you. And if you don't have it now, you're going to fail somewhere in the future. I want to encourage you not to allow it to, to bring shame into your life, not to allow it to cause you to lose faith, and for you to just give it to God and trust that he's forgiven you because he is the God that forgives us. So think about this. If we want to reconstruct our faith, stay focused on Jesus. Follow a good pastor, follow good leaders in the church, but stay focused on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, right? Follow him. Hook up in a good church. Put into practice the simple principles of God and then learn to forgive yourself. And guys, I promise you, you'll be able to keep your faith strong, continue to follow Jesus, and it's an amazing thing. And all of us that already say, hey, my faith is good, this is gonna keep our faith stronger. So I wanna close with prayer, but I wanna ask you a question. I don't know about you, but when I think about the goodness of God, I think about who we're following, Jesus. And then I think about God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy. It makes me very excited. And can we take a moment now? Some of you, we're gonna pray for you in just a second. But can we just say thank you, Jesus, for your grace? Thank you for your mercy. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's pray. Father, right now, I thank you for every person listening. I thank you for those who will receive this lesson because someone that loves them gives it to them, Lord. I thank you, Father, that anybody that's losing faith has lost a little bit of their faith. I thank you for reconstructing their faith. And Lord, I ask you, help those that are walking around with shame forgive themselves. Help them see how you've forgiven them. Help them see who they are in you, Lord God. And I thank you for doing that. And Lord, thank you for helping us to put our faith in Jesus and follow him and not be, not be offended or lose faith when men fail, but Lord, to follow Jesus with a passion. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the incredible word of God. We thank you for helping our faith to grow stronger than it's ever been. We thank you for helping us love Jesus more than we've ever loved Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, we're praying. We're just praying. Maybe you're listening today, maybe online, maybe in Boardman, maybe at TCI, maybe here in Warren, and you're not sure of your eternity. And God made an incredible promise to you. He sent Jesus 
Jesus is the son of God who always existed, but he took upon himself a human body. And as we saw, he was tempted in every way as us, but he, he, he never failed. And when he came of age, around 33, he said, I have to, I have to die. And, and he allowed himself to die for the sins of the entire world. And then they buried him, and he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, and then he came up out of the grave, just celebrated it last weekend at Easter. And Jesus is alive. He's alive. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name, he will save them. And, and here's what I learned. I can't force anyone to follow Jesus, but God is opening people's eyes to see Jesus. And I believe he's opening some eyes this Sunday, this weekend, or whenever you're listening to this lesson. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, you know what, Pastor Joe? I'm ready to accept Jesus and I'm ready to follow him. Would you pray with me right now? The rest of us, can we help them pray? And if you mean it, a miracle is going to happen. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for the sins of the entire world, including mine, that God raised you out of that grave. And this day, I accept you as my savior and I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.